Good evening, sports fans. Uh, James Bills within your face sports. And um, I'm pretty confident if you read the title of this episode, you're probably really curious, scratching your head, wondering what the hell James Bills is talking about tonight. Um, and if you don't know me, you may be kind of upset with me um, just by the title. But let let me just let me just lay it out like this. For 22 years, I've been coaching. For the last 11 years, I've had a program developing players, working with players all over the place, different, uh, you know, different color kids, different areas, uh, country kids, city kids. You name it, whatever kid you think, it you know whatever, however you want to title a kid or put a you know a, a sticker or label on a kid or however whatever you think. Okay. The truth of the matter is, is that the decline in the black baseball player right now is a concern, and there's a reason why for me that it's a major concern. A major concern, not not no, not no questionable. Uh, it's kind of weird. It might cause problems type type things. But it's a major concern. It kind of goes along with the political side of our country right now, right? We got two parties that left and right. All they do is argue about who's not racist and who's racist and what party's the less racist and what party's the most racist and. Who has Klan members in their party and who has uh, Black Panther members in their party and who had blackface pictures and who had Klan pictures and I just, I was just all down the line between the both of them. And it's turned out to be like a bunch of seven and eight year olds in school arguing about who did what to each other. And the truth of the matter is, is that everyday hardworking people are tired of this crap. Just tired of it. And it's creating more segregation amongst the people in the streets. And it's not just doing it on the part of people watching this on the media and the media driving home whatever narrative they want on both sides. Not just one side, on both sides. They drive home whatever narrative they want because they have the full undivided attention of people that are watching that channel and have become brainwashed and fallen to what they believe. So they want to see more of it. And they want more reassurance of their belief that it's right. And that media pounds it home more and makes it even more believable for them that night, every night when they come home and they plop down in front of the TV and they get their waves and waves of, of uh, information driven into their brains. And what drives me nuts is, again, it follows the narrative, all of it follows the narrative of where this country is going. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back when my, my you know, I, first of all, if you don't know me, I'm, I'll, I'll call myself a white guy, even though I have, 
I mean, I, when I put down a piece of paper, I put Caucasian, but my grandmother, my great-grandmother swam the border, so she's from Mexico. I had a grandmother that's from Czechoslovakia. Her, her, her family uh, derived him from Czechoslovakia. I had a grandfather that's considered what they call Black Dutch, which is a derogatory term for people that came here from the northern region of Europe, um, well, it came from Germany area and stuff like that. And they were very dark complected. And many of them, if you look it up, were actually forced into slave concentration, uh, slave camps when they got here uh, back in the 1800s because they were so dark complected that they, you know, they were considered black or African. They really didn't know what they were, but they were dark. And so, and then uh, it, it, it becomes this point to where I'm kind of a mix, mix of a lot of stuff, and I have Norwegian descent and, you know, European descent, and somewhere along the line, I'm kin to Davy Crockett, and somewhere along the line, I'm kin to uh, King Henry, Henry VIII, and um, our, my last name derived from um, a, a, a Viking, <laughs> so I don't know. But to be real honest with you, I don't care where I'm from. I just care about the people around me. And I care about people being loved, making a difference in this world, and a good impact on everyone. I don't give a crap what color skin you have. I don't care. Because in my view, and the way I was raised, was that all men and women were created by God. And... If all men and women that are created by God are my brothers and sisters, I would never treat my brothers and sisters with disrespect. So that's where I stand. Okay, so now I'm going to go back to. Here I am watching this, um, all this craziness, all this stuff that's going on out there right now. And... Politically, I've gone back, or, or uh, historically, I've gone back and tried to do my research to find out where all this started from, where it derived from, what party was which. I, and I can go on and on about facts in history, what party was the Democrats and what party were the Republicans and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, my wholehearted belief was in both sides, there's always been racism on both sides and there's always been a division or a narrative created for division to force one party to like the other one group to like the other party or like their party and try to create votes it's always been that way to me and you got a lot of them that don't want racism but you got some that understands it's part of what they got to do the division that they create between a other party to create votes, okay? So, there's a quote by LBJ saying that I'll have those N-words voting Democrats for the next 200 years, okay? Now, regardless if you would think that he would be considered Republican or, or Democrat nowadays, I don't care. I don't care about that. What I do know is what he said, and I do know that the division that he helped 
forced to create was the welfare and the division amongst families in the black population. Without a shadow of a doubt, when welfare was forced and created, when the handouts were started and created, the white families, which were way more percentage-wise then than they are now, I say way more, about 6% more, but that's a lot in population. Their white, the white families then were actually had a higher divorce rate than black families did. Look it up. You look it all up. I've done my research. Within 10 years, the black population had one of the biggest divisions of, of families, of parents that there was. When, this, when that was started, one of the major fo- focuses was that if you could create that division, what it would do is keep two family members from being able to strive and become successful. You can question me if you want. Uh, I'm not trying to be the propaganda machine here. Again, I'm not talking about parties. I don't care one way or the other on the party. I'm telling you what we've created and where it's going and how that division has created low-income families in inner cities, and white people do it too because there are a lot of white people that, that, that I know, a handful of white people right off the top of my head that live on welfare. They're divorced. Matter of fact, my wife and I for a short term ran into a financial situation, and her and I even talked about if we, would get, if we got divorced, would it help her being a single mom to be able to get extra things? No lie, we talked about it. We didn't do it, but we talked about it, okay? So what I say that is they created the division amongst the households, and it created low-income families, and it created an area where people lived in poverty, and it created where a lot of parents, single-family parents, couldn't afford the additional Things as such as, ready for this? Ready? Select baseball. It wasn't until the late 1980s that select baseball started becoming a force. 1989, 1990, there was a couple big names that really fired it up. I know a couple myself um, that really got going. Great programs. Uh, I'm not going to drop their names. Uh, but they, they're good programs. Still to this day are good programs. Excuse me, very good programs. But um, they moved forward. 90s moved forward a little bit more. Uh, more p- teams being popped up. The prices started going up. Tournament directors started getting involved. 2000s came around. It really started working its way up. Late 2000s, 2012, 2013 it started getting out of hand. Now you started creating these big monster programs and tournaments that are trying to create additional tournaments across the country, uh, showcases, events, lots of high-dollar payments. They're paying college coaches to come watch players. It don't, turn, it, don't, it don't take long. What was a $325 tournament fee has now driven itself up to $1,500, $1,800, $2,500 for a tournament. So now you're looking at guys playing six tournaments 
six tournaments, okay, at $2,500 a pop or, or, you know, maybe one big $2,500 and the rest of them $1,000. But that tournament fee alone has to divide up amongst a team, which means that team has to pay for it. And I don't know how many of you people have been in this game around select baseball. There aren't very many teams that show up at a ballpark with a whole damn banner wrapped around their their bus with their own buses and full-on sponsors from one end to the other. So people are having to pay. Now, there are teams that will show up and pick up an extra player on the weekend for free. I see that all the time. Two, three, four players for free. But the other players on that team are paying. Okay? So, now you got teams across the country that are going out and playing and paying and, and, and uh, tons of money and, and more people, more tournaments popping up, more programs popping up. And everybody that thinks that they can run a baseball team is trying to create these programs and they're trying to, they have to, they find out they have to spend a bunch of money to do this. And it's not long. And of course, some of them <laughs> build massive facilities. It's not long. There aren't many kids out there that can afford this game anymore. That's on all people, all kids. Now, your programs like MLB, they have the Puerto Rican camps, workouts down there and stuff like that. Those kids down there aren't spending a lot of money to do this stuff. They They got a couple little places they work out. MLB is willing to go and put money into those kids down there. They don't have a lot of bad training. They've got a lot of kids that are busting their butt to play the game. They don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have nothing else to do. They don't have football. They don't really have basketball. They don't have any of that kind of stuff. Baseball is their way out. So MLB sets up shop down there and watches a lot of those players. All right? So that's why you see a lot of the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans and the Venezuelans getting moved in here. But let's look at the inner city programs. You don't see MLB really setting up these big inner city programs. They have the RBI program. They have some money that they put in. The Astros built a really amazing facility down in uh, where I grew up at, down in Houston. But you still have these fields. There's teams that are running and going out there that are paid teams. You don't see a lot of Offers of of guys running free leagues or or tournaments down there. It's still all money stuff. So now you get to where the division has leaked over over the years into where the the financial side of this thing has far outweighed a lot of the inner city players, and they're not playing the game anymore. They can't afford to play it. Let's take that step, one more step. In 1979, MLB was just over 20% in black players. Okay? 1979, the population in America was about 10.5% black. Now it's 14.5% black. And... The population today in the MLB is 7.7% black. So we've gone that far down since 1979 in the population, and 
in in uh, in black with black athletes or black players in baseball. And a lot of it has driven directly from the late 1990s till now. The fall of it has happened. So the timeline matches up. Everything I'm talking about with select baseball matches up with the fact that we have dropped so many black baseball players. And the sad thing is to me is that the only reason why, my opinion, this is opinion, this is not a fact, you can read things that might say let it might be a fact. But my opinion is in the 1940s when they Jackie Robinson was a breakthrough black athlete, they got to play in baseball, which there were other black athletes by the way that you don't hear stories about that did get to play. But MLB finally had the opportunity because of what was going on in those days and age to take an athlete a black athlete and try to save face with their self make and make baseball look good by trying to desegregate and create you know add black players to baseball they had a lot of push uh from outside sources there was a lot of uh lot of flack that they were getting there was a lot of protests going on and they they finally moved forward with it then okay the sad thing is is that in order to get this done again today number one it's going to take an unbelievable amount of push to do it that way that particular way to really break through again or bring the awareness to it. It's going to take a ton, a ton of not just publicity, but actual reporting on it. People actually seeing what, what we're talking about, what's going on. There's going to have to be a force behind it. But more than that, it's going to take so much money. And the reason why it's going to take so much money is because this game has teams that have rosters of $200 million now. The rosters alone are $200 million. Your average roster is in between $130-$150 million for a roster right now for, 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 the, uh, uh, for your payrolls. Unbelievable numbers. And so... What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to fight. And now here's where the big one comes in. Y'all ready? Ooh, let's piss some people off. We're going to have to fight the plantation owners just to get players, black players, back into baseball. Did you hear that? Did I say plantation owners? My bad, damn. Listen. MLB right now is frustrating because... They are, kill, they are cutting scouts. They've gone to computer-based programs to where they believe that they have analytic guys up in the front office that are bringing in stats based on launch angles and spin rates and blah, blah, blah. Fat computer nerds up there with pocket protectors and glasses with tape on their glasses. Yeah, I said it. I don't give a damn. I said it. All right, so they're up there running computer systems to bring in baseball players, Okay. The numbers show that they suck. And the reason why the numbers show that they suck, one damn per reason, 
perfect reason is that these are or, or, or example or, or or proof it is in the pudding is that the players are hitting under 250 as a team okay um, as a league 250 they ain't done that they've never done that they never hit under 250 all the other teams over the last 30 40 50 years every season they've declined from 277 281 they've declined 25 30 points now they hit some more home runs than they have in the past. They set the record last year in home runs, but not by much. There's been other years that they've had home runs. But who gives a crap when they struck out more times than they had hits last year? That's the first time, the first time in MLB history that they've had more strikeouts in a season than they had hits. Are you freaking kidding me? I thought these little guys up there in the front office that were doing these analytics, I thought they could find better players than that. They're not looking for players for for um, to, to, to better teams. They're looking for players to better payrolls, to better salaries, to, to franchise-type names that they can sell jerseys off of. You don't sell a whole damn jersey a team full of jerseys. You don't go in there and see the guy that's the 24th guy, you know, the, the 22nd, 23rd guy. You don't see those guys' names in there. You don't see the bench warmers. There are not very many bench warmers. But you don't see those guys selling tons of jerseys. Okay? I've never went in and looked on the wall in any of those merchandise shops and seen one through nine hitters hanging on the wall. Have you? You're going to sell the guy, the guy that's hitting 209 on your team with seven home runs? You're going to hang his jersey in your merchandise store and expect to sell 20, 30, 40 dozen of those jerseys? Hell, hell no, you're not. That ain't happening. So they're going to mark up these guys that are hitting these launch angle home runs, these big bombs left and right as their sell guys. These are the guys that are going to be pictures on the front of everything. They're not stupid. This is a money-driven business. And kids and, and parents that don't have a clue what the hell's really going on in this game, they're going to spend $10 on a freaking drink, $7 on a, not, on, on a hot dog. Put the relish and all the crap on it and everything else. They're going to spend $15, $18, $20 a person for five, six, seven people sitting in the stands a night when they go. And not to mention the ticket prices. I remember when I used to go to the Astros game and could pay $7 to sit in the outfield, outfield bleachers. Seven bucks. Hell no, you ain't getting a $7 ticket now. Ain't happening. So you, you, you could sit and, and see a game like that. Now now these tickets are the stupidest prices you've ever seen for nosebleed sections. And you still got to pay those high dollar ass prices just to get something to eat. These, this is just a bit money making business is all it is. And they don't care who's out there. And look, half of what looks like the black or African-American, or whatever you want to call a population in the, in the major leagues that are on the field, half of them speak Puerto Rican, you know, Spanish, you know, uh, uh, some other language than English. 
Okay? But a lot of people don't recognize that. That's not in their views. That's not what they see. What they see is black athletes on the field. So if you're questioning me right now, I don't know. I see this guy. On a, no. Go do your research. There aren't that many black players out there. But again, I feel it's a direct, direct fallout of how our political process has been over the last 40, 50, 60 years. It is a direct drive to keep, yeah, I would say this, to keep them down. Okay? Yeah, the white, redneck, hillbilly ass, trailer park trash guy that's on this on this this uh, this guy talking right now just said that you people need to wake up and when i say you people i mean every damn person that's listening to this message y'all need to let wake up if we don't put our foot down not just not just with this with everything it's going to continue to be that way and I know everybody got pissed off at Kaepernick, all right? I've already had one of these shows about Kaepernick. I know everybody got pissed off at Kaepernick. And if he did it because he thought it was the right reason or if he did it because he wasn't playing much anymore because he was a little bit on the decline, I don't know. I don't care. I don't even argue with y'all on that. Y'all go argue with that somewhere else. My argument is, is that we as an Americans... Should have stopped and said, hey, he's got something going on. We need to look and see what's going on. Instead, everybody from both sides went straight in the button of heads. Our president should have right then should have just said, hey, let's create a moment of silence for all that were lost between anybody getting shot in the streets black, uh, I don't want to say suspects, I want to say uh, black accused suspects, all right, and cops, because cops were getting shot too. Let's, let's bring a moment of silence, and let's step back, and let's think about, hey, we got to make ourselves better than this. We got to unite. We got to go into the inner cities and show that we're here for the right reasons. And that we're not pulling you over every time to get, get on to you or to take you to jail. And we need to go in and do better training with our police force to make sure that we're not having to pull the trigger every single time that you feel like a guy's cell phone that's pulling out of his pocket is a gun. Okay? There's don't don't sit here if you're if you're an officer or you're family of an officer and say, oh, yeah, well, my family's got to come home. I know that. And, and that's why I hate watching some of these officers walk right out in the middle of a line of fire and put themselves in that situation. Yeah, they're going to have to shoot if they feel like they're, they're warranted. But that little kid that got shot in that park, I'm going to tell you right now, when that, officer, that, that was a plastic gun that that little kid had. And when that officer walked around his car and saw that little kid with that gun, and wasn't sure if it was real or not, 
that officer put that kid's life in danger before he did his own. And the reason why I say that is because we all know that a trained officer with a guy, with a kid, with a gun in his hand is not going to lose that battle. And he didn't. And it, but it was, it was a plastic gun. And if that officer would have taken a prone position or a hidden position behind his a squad car and demanded that kid put that look, that gun down or throw the gun or, play, you know, or shoot it over to the side, whatever. He would he would have saw that it was a plastic gun. And instead, he put himself right in the danger with it. All right. So again, I, I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not arguing that. Don't come to me telling me that I'm wrong. I don't give a rat's ass what you say. What I'm saying right now is that we are killing, killing the black athlete in baseball, hundred percent. And until we stop and do what we need to do to make this right and start helping, even if it means creating another program to help fund the black athletes or whatever it is, until we create that or ex-pro players that were black players help bring this awareness out or ex-white players help to bring this awareness out. It has to come to the forefront. And MLB don't give a damn. And I don't care who you are in MLB. You, until you prove to me, because your RBI program is not doing what it should be doing. I never see nothing about it. I've been in this business a long time. I've been all over the place to this thing. I've been to one of your events, and it was not run very well. And everything that I see with it is not like it should be. It should be on the front of every website it should be on the front of every commercial it should be commercials running on espn should be commercials running on cnn should be commercials running on fox if you don't have that kind of money to run that thing when you got those millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars running these freaking organizations if you don't have the pump the funding going behind that then you're not doing it for the right reason period damn not you're not doing it for the right reason you got the money there you got programs, the Red Sox are over $200 million for their salary alone. Some of these organizations out there are being estimated worth three, four, five billion dollars. The organizations are. They're, they got product everywhere you go in, every store you walk in, in the mall that sells anything that has to do with hats. Anywhere you go, these hats. Every time one sells, there's money that goes into to, uh, Major League, into their share, share fund, profit funding. Don't think, don't think that no one notices that. People notice that. Set up the funds where they go and help these kids that, that, that are in the inner city. I'm not telling you to go build a house for them. I'm telling them give them a way out. You start taking their way out of a program. You know, these people talking about Kyler Murray right now taking the football option how this is horrible man screw you man if you have no clue you have no no athletic ability and you're sitting there and you're saying that what Kyler Murray is doing is is horrible and that it's selfish man you have no clue what you're talking about you have no clue where that boy's been you have no idea what he's looking at right now the fact that the last player drafted in the in the first round last year in the NFL draft got three hundred thousand dollars more 
then Kyler Murray got in the ninth pick overall in the MLB draft should tell you something. And he's going to go bounce around in the minor leagues for a couple years on a dirty-ass bus with stinky socks, and he's going to have to still make a team. But if he drafts in the NFL in the top 10, 10 picks overall and he gets way, you know, 14, 15, 16 million dollar signing bonus, he's standing on the sideline first game of the season behind the number one quarterback with an opportunity to play if that guy gets hurt. That's how that works. So that kid ain't dumb, and he's damn sure got good agents that are probably working with him right now to make sure that it's done right. And what he's going to do, he's going to make his decision to do what he wants to do. But if he goes minor leagues, he'll get his, he'll get a signing bonus. He'll probably get a little bit more money. But if he goes minor leagues, he's going to have to bounce around. And that bounce around system's created for one reason. One reason only. I'll give it a second reason. But in my view there's one reason. I'll put two the number the number 2 reason up. Because that's what everybody's going to say it is. To develop players. To prepare them for the pros. Well, that's what it used to be when it was A-ball, double-A, and triple-A. Now it's A-minor, A-ball, A-plus, or high-A, double-A, triple-A, rookie league, developmental league. You got all these different leagues. Security for these players. No, not security for the players. It's security for the players or the program's owners. In other words, I draft this guy. I hold him down here. He shines. He's good. I draft him or sign him as a free agent. I don't have to give him millions and millions of dollars. I can give him a bus ticket and a pack of snack wheels. He can just water. He can drink water from the water fountain. Okay, we'll send him there. If he shows up and does well, he has an opportunity to move up. My high draft picks that I gave money to, they're going to get first their first go-rounds. They're going to get the first choice, first chances. The other guys are going to bounce around. If they don't make it in a year or two, we cut them and send them home. Players are like shark teeth anyways. When one of them falls out, another one replaces them, so we don't give a damn. And we don't give a damn if a kid throws 98 and blows his elbow out because we got another kid right behind them that throws 98. So if we throw six guys in a game every game – that don't make no difference to us. Let them throw. One gets hurt, we'll bring up another one. We'll salvage and save our big ones like Verlander and the guys with good mechanics. We don't give a damn. And if a guy don't reach arbitration because he gets hurt, whoop de do. We don't have to pay him no big money. We bring up the next one right in place of him. Oh, yeah, boy, I probably just pissed some people off. The right people hear this one. I'll probably get it. But you know what? I don't care because we have to pound the street. We have to let everybody know that this has to be changed. This has to be fixed. And I'm going to tell you again, it's a direct, a direct fallout from the political stance of D.C. over the last 40, 50, 60 years. It really is. And both parties need to shut the hell up and figure this out. They both got a soapbox. Get on the soapbox and fix this. Not just fix the black athlete in baseball. Fix the poverty-stricken areas. 
come up with a better idea than sticking them in prison every time you turn around and and tell saying that you got them off the streets. That's not how this works. I I grew up in a rough area. There's many times that I fell into bad stuff that I did. There was times where I felt like I needed more than what my neighbor had and all damn sure wants to steal from them. You understand that? That's how that works. When you don't have a lot, you figure out how you're going to get more. That's the way it works. That's how people work. That's the human nature. Survive. That's why I do what I do now. I survive. But I survive by every day trying to help these kids survive. It ain't nothing that pisses me off more than to watch the population drop and nobody can do anything about it. Everybody sits back and says they will. And I've worked with some big names in this business. It makes me so mad that they're not doing what they say they will do. And I'm not going to mention those names, but it really ticks me off that they have the stance, the face, that person in place. They could do what they wanted to. But if it don't really justify or help them as much, they don't care. And that's not how this should be. Okay. Sorry. I ran it. I chanted. I'm pissed. I hope that y'all can see that there's a real reason behind this. This has nothing to do with me. I don't care about financial game. I don't care about nothing like that. I care about the next person beside me getting a better opportunity in life. The better opportunity in life. We are not, as a society, we are not, we are not going to be successful as a huge society until we humans, all humans, all God's creations understand that we are created equal and that big government not cannot, big government cannot tell us what we're going to do in our life by exploiting us by color and dividing us and keeping one group down and keeping the other one, letting the other ones be successful because they are the same color as them. Are you listening to me? I, I, uh, (laughs) I probably ran it a little bit more than I should have. Um, Glad y'all listen to me if you listen to this whole thing. Um, we, we're trying to make a difference. Trying to, I'm, I'm working with some guys, some really good guys. Really good guys. Um, Corey and Sean and uh, TJ and some other people out there that are, that are good friends of mine. Are becoming good friends with them now. And, you know, the, the passion that we have to make a difference is not based on political purposes. I don't I don't want to do that. Most most everybody that knows me knows I'm a conservative person. They all know I grew up here in Texas in the South. I grew up I've, I'm a Republican. Okay? If you listen to this, don't hang up cuz you heard that. <laughs> but I, I I am and that that's how I grew up. Um I because I grew up in a Baptist church. And I grew up religious, 
and and grew up with trying to believe I had good morals and ethics. Okay, I just at this point in time in my life, I've I I was fortunate enough to grow up with family that believed that we were all created equal. And as I get older and I watch this in sports and I watch the division based on financials and primarily financials. I mean, it's there's no way that if Ricky Henderson and Mike Trout were standing on the same field in front of me right now working out together as 18 years old. There's no way that that I, I go, all right, Trout's a better player. There's no way. I may not say that Henderson's a better player at that time because of their youth, but the fact is is that both of them would have an opportunity to work out in front of me, and both of them would have a chance to draft, Okay. I, me personally, I think Ricky Henderson is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Trout is of this era. But I'm also going to say this. If Ricky Henderson was to play to youth sports or youth baseball in today's society, the likelihood of him getting seen is so much smaller because main reason in order to get in front of a lot of the people that you have to get in front of, it takes a lot of money. A lot of money. And those players nowadays like Ricky Henderson, not just in color because there's some white kids that don't have it as well. There's some Hispanic kids that don't have it as well. Those kids don't get the opportunities because of the expenses of this game. And to believe that some guy in the front office at one of these organizations is going to find him based on a video is horse crap, period. It's going to take a scout beating a path. And these organizations are taking away these scouts. They're taking them off out of these programs. So these organizations, what's going to happen is these organizations are going to start missing those type of players. And if, when they get missed, those players will never see ba- a baseball field again. All right. 40-plus minutes. One of my longest rants. Um, I just I just need to make a difference. I want to make a difference. If you want to make a difference with me, if you see anything that you can help with, if you got programs, organizations, friends, anybody out there, that are willing to help out. I'll show you dollar for dollar if you want to put money in where to go. I don't care. I, I'm not again. I I'm not here for me to make money off of this thing. I'm here to help these kids. Well, if you want to sponsor kids, if you want money to go directly to them, you can hand them a check to pay for it. I don't care. Write it over to them. They write it over to me. To or you write it over to the them. They write it over straight to the tournaments. I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care. It, it's it just matters about getting some of these kids an opportunity. And um, I, I, I want to see, see the change in the game. And I, I know plenty of people. 
I just don't have the finances to make it happen, and that's what it's going to take with these, you know, to get these kids in some of the, in front of some of the right people. Anyways, thank you for tuning in and listening to me rant. Please share. Please share this. Um, when you share it, please. Hopefully, it's good enough to listen to, and you can tell your friends. Listen to it all the way through. Thank you once again for listening to uh, in your face sports. And um, please look for your next show coming up and tune in. Thank you.